We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Man, I'm doing this from New Orleans. Been out here all week. It is a, it's a crazy city out here. It's fun. Everyone drinks. I got here on a Tuesday. Day drinking is like normal here. Yeah. So this shit's wild. Um, you know, trying to make sure the wife is productive out here. But every time we go out, we just... We get drunk and it's it's crazy and there's way too much food. To everyone well, yes. who gave me suggestions, thank you. I've I've taken like three naps a day just because I catch the itis repeatedly. The food is Good so bomb. See, this Word. is why we got to warn um, Zion Williamson to stay away from some of the food if he ends up there. This is the worst city for Zion because Zion's gonna be late career Sean Kemp in a quick second, yo. I. I'm allergic to seafood, and I'm still finding mad good food. I can only imagine people who love like, who love crab and crawfish and everything lose their damn mind out here. Yeah. So I can't have none of that. Even though found a place today that had gumbo without seafood in it. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, that is that is a win for me. Um, but nah, yeah, yo, the the food out here has been crazy. So I've been. Trying all the the local joint, had a po' boy, you know, trying to immerse myself in the culture. Uh, I might go on a haunted tour later, even though I don't do ghosts. No, you're more not. Of your lane. No, <laughs> Elena wants to go to this haunted graveyard tour. It's gonna scare the hell out of me. Really? But I think I'm down. I, I think I don't know. Like, why am I walking around a graveyard? Nothing good could come of this. 
This is how I live my life. I try not to put my life in peril. And that's including inviting ghosts to come around. Like, at this point, I'm looking for trouble. I'm every bad Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> like, all you got to do is stay away from the trouble. It's like all the stupid little horror movies you watch. Like, all the Japanese ones, people go looking for trouble. They're like, oh, there's a ghost there. Let me find out more. Why? Let the ghost yeah, but this be. is different. It's not different. Dre, if I come back haunted, man, it's, it's all bad. If all you bad. come back haunted, don't come back. That's my advice <laughs> to you. <laughs> just, just come over your crib. Be like, don't you like, don't you like this house more? He likes the paranormal shit. You and the ghost would get along fine. Um, yeah, so this, this trip's been wild. It's cool. I still got another day out here, so trying to find some stuff to do in that day. Uh, should be fun. But, Dre, before we jump into combat sports, because it's a little bit of a short show, because uh, I have stuff to do out here. Before we jump into that in the weekend that was, and previewing stuff like Tyson Fury's fight coming up in a big Bellator weekend that kind of snuck up on me. Um, not on you, obviously. It's on the zone. But I wanted exactly. to start off talking about KD. And should he have played? Because we've covered, I mean, you know, we like sports, all sports, even outside of combat sports. And, you know, uh, people heard us talk basketball on this podcast before. And you're a nerd for all fantasy-related sports. So <laughs> your, your knowledge of all sports is ridiculous because of your fantasy team and your obscene obsession to win every fantasy league that you're in. So yeah. should KD have played and risked next year's season, which now we know is gone, or should he have um, sat out? I mean, obviously, hindsight being 2020 should have sat out because only he knows. Well, I won't say only he knows. Because uh, he got cleared. He got cleared to play. So if you get cleared to play and it's the NBA Finals and you don't play and that would have came out that he got cleared and sat on the bench or or didn't show up, do you know how bad they would have let him have it? Uh, Kawhi. Kawhi's, exactly. Kawhi's doing fine. Kawhi is doing fine. But KD's legacy is a little bit different. And for a guy who has the opportunity to help his team win the championship, uh. Yeah, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. So if he felt like he could play and he wanted to play and his doctors cleared him and said he could play, then you can't fault the man for playing. Obviously, it's a bad idea because now look what happened. But I don't think anybody's going to question this man's heart anymore. No, definitely not. But it's not worth losing a whole season and free agency, um, in which I still think a team offers him the max contract and he you know, signs and they just take the, the one-year red shirt uh, for you know another four years of KD in house, so that's that's not bad. I'm sure their insurance will cover that, but it's still just it, it's a weird thing because the athlete and we see this in combat sports all the time. The athlete will always play. Like if you well, give them, if you clear well, them, I mean, outside Kawhi of Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi, Kawhi was a very strange case, and that's why people jumped on his ass, and he was a villain for a second. And uh, because if you if you clear the athlete. Nine times out of ten, they will participate. Even if it's like, yo, you're 70%. Like, I got it. Let's go. Or we, we're going to talk about UFC, Donald Cerrone, when he couldn't see through his eye. His eye was completely shut. And he's like, yo, what are we doing? Why are we stopping this fight? Like, if you let the athletes play, they will play. This is what they do sooner or later. Like, it's up to someone else to save the athlete from themselves. So KD's management... Doctors, somewhere along the line of people who are supposedly 
there to help him and to care for him, somebody dropped the ball. Well, yeah, they failed him. I and mean, that's, but again, that's their job. It, it, it's, it's a tough situation. It's the NBA Finals, dude. It's the NBA Finals. You feel like your team needs you. You want to play. I, obviously, I mean, I, think, I feel like there's a lot that got lost in this. For one, was it, you know, was it this calf strain bullshit or was it always an Achilles issue? And they were hiding it. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like the same place he grabbed when he first got hurt, which was probably a strained Achilles. So if that's the case, I mean, there's a lot that we're not being told here. You know, so it's 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 shaky, man, and it sucks. And I mean, ultimately, you know, what it really sucks for the New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> and man, I, I love it because I was uh, when I was editing the live show that we did at Starcast. Uh, my favorite part when I was editing it, and I had to like switch the camera angle and get the the close shot on Kaz because when we brought Kaz to the stage, I made a hilarious New York Knicks joke, and he did not appreciate it. And he said, keep that same energy on July 1st. Boy, when I, say, when I say I'm going to light his ass up on July 1st, when everyone goes to the Brooklyn Nets and KD opts in, or if he opts out and then still goes to Brooklyn, oh, man. Kaz might as well not talk to me for a good two months after that. I mean, you see, he, like... I got to let him have it. Most... Most Knicks fans have already been resigned to letting the Fizz, the Fizz boys do their thing now. Kevin Knox and the rest, because they feel like they're going to be left out. Because it changed so already, quick. It changed so quick. Kemba's talking about he'll come back to Charlotte for less, which sounds ridiculous. Um, and then you know with KD being hurt now, Kyrie if he goes to Brooklyn, which is also weird because Kyrie going to Brooklyn sounds weird with D'Angelo Russell doing what he did last season. Um, I don't I don't know how you leverage that situation. I don't think you want to. Kyrie's an off guard. Yeah, but he, leverage, I mean, he handles his, the ball. Yeah, but his best, it's iso ball, but he's an off guard. He's, like Iverson was never a point guard. Iverson always had Eric Snow. He had other people. Because regardless of size, he was an off guard. He's not a f- facilitator. He's not going to pass and make your team better. Uh, you know, D'Lo does that. So, I mean, they, they work yeah. together. Le- LeBron was the point guard of those Cavs teams. I personally don't think this works out very well. If with Kyrie and D'Angelo, you're not winning with those two in your backcourt with nothing up front. You're not. No, I mean KD would have to be the other piece up front. Right. He's got a mulligan. <laughs> like, I mean, you you just can't sign Kyrie by himself. We saw that in Boston, right? Boston traded and went for okay, Kyrie. And we're building young people around him, and. He's not a facilitator. He didn't make any of them better. In fact, they were better when he wasn't on the court. He is the added piece. He is the cherry on top. He is the closer. He just needs someone else to make everyone around better. Um, and D'Angelo Russell does that, man. Yeah, so I it, don't know. It, it fits. It, it fits for me, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um Man, I Knicks fans are are they the most cursed franchise? I'm trying to think. I don't think I, they're cursed. I don't think they're cursed. They just suck. It's a big difference. They just, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and if they're cursed, it's because of Patrick Ewing. So, yeah. Um, 
they just suck, dude. <laughs> they made bad decisions. Nothing was like if you want to say anything was cursed, it was maybe the Allen Houston Albatross contract. But aside from that, they just made piss poor decisions. And everybody knew it. It wasn't like they were making decisions and people were like, oh, I'm surprised that didn't work out. A lot of that shit just didn't work. So yeah, it's on them. I mean, in hindsight, Amari Stoudemire had like a good half a season once. And you would think par- pairing Amari and Carmelo would work out. Just no, nothing wouldn't. ever goes. Why not? It's two all-stars. That, that, that pairing was never going to work. Like, as far as winning championships, that wasn't going to, they weren't going to do it. No. At one they, point, they, they had those two, J-Kid, like an old wash J-Kid, but a good leader. Nah. They had some pieces, man. They nah, traded they, a I mean, lot to get Melo, but. Yeah, but they didn't have they didn't have shooting. Like like if you look at the Knicks teams, like they they always they're like peanut butter, no jelly, right? Ham, no burger. <laughs> they they never have two pieces that fit. They never have pieces that fit. They just sign a bunch of guys, and it's like they they relied heavily on Carmelo. They ran him till the goddamn knees gave out. Like they relied heavily on Allen Houston. They never really get the guys the help that they need, ever. So if you're looking at a situation where New York is at right now, you got a bunch of role players, and now you need a star. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant's the guy that you needed. He's hurt. He's out. I say you got to pay him anyway. I mean, could, but just throwing another year in the trash, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, the other thing about being a Knicks fan is Knicks fans are impatient. They don't, they don't want to sit around and keep losing. And... I don't know. Free agency is about to be a mess. Feels like the <laughs> Lakers might come up on Anthony Davis. It feels Which like. Which should happen. I mean, the Knicks being out of the running is odd. The Celtics still being in the running is weird when Rich Paul is saying, yo, he's not signing with you. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, it's, what, what are you giving up for this guy? Like, why? Why are you even trying? We'll, we'll see next week. It's, it's going to be some fun wheeling and dealing. I'll be excited because, you know. I'm ready for NBA 2K to come out. That's the only thing. When I watch the draft, the first thing I start thinking about, because that's when I really stopped playing NBA 2K, and then the draft happens, and I'm like, oh, my team's all fucked up. So can't play NBA 2K until September. So that's what I get excited <laughs> about. I don't touch Video- it. I play the show all the way through. Video that's games and fantasy sports. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, we have a big weekend in combat sports coming up. Had a big weekend last week. Let's touch on some of these things. Uh, Tyson Fury fighting in Vegas. Um, it's cool to see heavyweight boxing back in Vegas. How is fight week there? Because I'm obviously missing fight week to be out here. How is fight week? And do you feel like Tyson Fury is now you know, on that Joshua Wilder level of popularity after, after that brawl him Wilder at? Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the, the Fury-Wilder fight was... It, sparked, it, it helped both of their careers. I mean, that's, Tyson Fury had the greatest get-up from a knockdown probably in the history of boxing. <laughs> like, it, I mean, I, outside it, of the Corrales fight? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, nah, not even the Corrales fight. Because, like, Corrales was done, but he wasn't, like, knocked to death, right? Like, people thought that's, they were going to the fight. The yeah. only other person who had an infamous rise from the dead was Muhammad Ali when Joe Frazier, like, cooked him with that left hook. Nobody thought Ali was going to get up. Everybody gasped when they saw that. Saw him. He just got up like, all right, I'm good. Fury did the same thing. He got hit by probably the hardest puncher in all of boxing, went down, blinked, and was like, all right, I'm good. It's the most infamous get up from being down on the canvas ever. So Fury's star is just as big as Wilder's star, except for 
you know, Fury's he's overseas. Um, fighting uh, Schwartz this weekend, obviously nobody gives Schwartz a sh- shot in hell. Schwartz, he hasn't really fought anybody outside of Germany. I think he has one fight outside of Germany. It's just fun because I've been the presser, though. Huh? He, I mean, he, he's 6'5". He's, he's a big guy, but yeah. th- th- Tyson Fury's really fucking good. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> no, he definitely is. He's quick as a cat for a big man. Yeah, he's quick. And, like, what I was talking to Tyson about yesterday, like, one, I asked him, if you would have gotten knocked down by Deontay Wilder, let's say, three years ago, would you have gotten up? And he was like, no, I would have never gotten up. Like, mentally, I'm a different guy. The other thing I asked him um, was, you know, about his chin. You know, everybody talks about punchers in the heavyweight division, but if you can take a punch, that might be the key to being the best in the, in the world. Because yeah. everybody can hit as a heavyweight. Everybody has a puncher's chance. Everybody can crack. Like, Joshua's been, he's, he obviously, he's been knocked out. Deontay Wilder, he's been buzzed quite a few times. Fury got put on the canvas by the hardest-hitting man in boxing and got up. That could be the great equalizer for any heavyweight fight. Yeah. And one round's after that. Well, no, it was the 12th round. The fight was pretty much over. But, oh, I thought uh, well, you did I mean, in the 11th. The 11th and it went to the 12th. But, I mean, there was, yeah, you're right. There wasn't much left. Um, but the whole point yeah. is, like, dude, if you could take a punch in the heavyweight division, you can go a long way. It's kind of why Evander Holyfield stuck around for so long. <laughs> because Holyfield can take a punch. I mean, like, that does go a long way. That's, if you could just take it, ass whooping and weather the storm, you're right. Like Klitschko. Klitschko take a punch. That's why he wants to come back. All right. He was eating Klitschko. Joshua punches for a second. Klitschko couldn't really take a punch. Like, Corey Sanders gave it to him. Lehman Brewster gave it to him. Like, he's got a shaky chin as well. A lot of those guys have shaky t- chins that got put down and hurt. Fury hasn't... He got put down, but... It's you, weird. You he, he wasn't, wasn't really hurt. hurt. He was hurt for eight and a half of those ten seconds and then got up like but, the Undertaker and was a possessed man. The man has like an adamantanium skeleton like Wolverine. Does like <laughs> for him to take that punch and just heal that quick, that's like Deadpool levels of healing. It's yeah, like, that shows it. No, humans don't do that. So Tyson Fury is just built different. Now, as far as the atmosphere, can't really tell right now. Um, you know, it's... It's it's hot as hell in Vegas now. It's fight week, but it, it doesn't feel like fight week yet. It's Thursday. Tomorrow's the weigh-in, so we'll see what that looks like. This undercard's kind of trash, too. Um, Jesse Hart's <laughs> on the other card. There's nothing really special to, uh, to talk about with this fight. So we'll see how it looks at the MGM on Saturday night. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's really up to Fury to bring him out. There's no real supporting cast. There's nothing else really here. It's really about... Tyson Fury being, it's the spring of the heavyweights. We had three heavyweights, three of the top heavyweights in the world fighting a month's time. And Fury's ending that. So uh, we'll see if he, he brings them out to see, watch a fight. So ESPN Plus fight it at that. We'll see how many people subscribe. Five ninety nine. It's not that much, guys. Buy it. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's, for my money, I'm getting my money's worth. So it's not, not bad out of that. I'll be uh, actually watching on TV and not going to the fight, even though I'll be back in Vegas. But uh, I have a dinner that night that I have to cook and attend so uh yeah i'll be watching that on tv and man it's big for fury because one the placement of him being in vegas is interesting because it makes me wonder if the next fury wilder fight is in vegas instead of la possible keep keep in mind fury's never fought in vegas it's his first time yeah so it's like an odd time um and for them to keep putting him on the west coast as a uk guy it's Odd placement, but I mean, if the guy brings him out, brings him out. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. 
And then what else we have last weekend? Uh, or that was this triple weekend. Triple G, Triple G, Triple G, Triple G, killing people. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. God, there was so much last weekend. Yeah, Triple G stole someone's soul. Um, and it's funny, in our group chat, I put like, yeah, you know what? Triple G does look a little older. You know, Father Time slowed him down a bit. And then, boom, knockout. It's like, oh, ain't that some shit? Gotta eat my words. Third round, it, it looked like Triple G maybe hasn't slowed. I, I don't know. I don't know if he slowed or if he was playing with his food and then just got like, okay, I'm done with this shit. Big drama showtime. And just decided to separate a man from his consciousness. And uh, wow, one hell of a knockout. And all signs should point to a Canelo fight again in September. Yeah, I don't see any way it doesn't happen next. Um, but Triple G, I mean, people's like, oh, well, Steve Rose, he's no good. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody thought Triple G was going to win, but does it make the knockout any less spectacular? Um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I mean, talking to Triple G and talk, talking to Jonathan Banks, I kind of figured this was going to happen where he's going to just kind of try out a few things um, and then get tired and be like, all right, let's get rid of this guy. It's kind of what happened. He kind of he was trying some few things. He, he did his uh, switch. He did, uh, he did a few the awkward angle hooks that came over the top. I mean, that's part of his game. It's the one thing that he didn't do against Canelo aside from body punching, that's kind of surprised me. When he gets in close quarter, he throws the left hook with this really strange arc. And the arc, it, it, like, it starts his elbow, and he, he kind of points down. And when he does it, it wraps around the gloves, and it looks like it just hurts like hell. Because when he hits people with it, it either catches you on the temple on your chin at a downward angle, and it fucks people up. It's like, and nobody really talks about it. I get kind of... I don't know, man. When I'm watching the, the zone commentary team, I'm like, y'all not, y'all not really pointing this out like y'all should, because the way he does it is there's there's few fighters that can execute it like that. And um, he was executing with perfection against Rose, and I'd like to see him do that against Canelo. The difference with Canelo is Canelo's pretty fast in terms of his footwork and getting out of the way of trouble. So, you know, he's not going to sit there for Gennady to hit him. But uh, obviously, yeah, all signs point to another fight. He's got to do it. He- you would think he wouldn't, but for some reason, against Triple G, Canelo loves to stand in and trade it. Well, that second fight he did. Um, and, that, yeah. and I mean, dude, all credit to him because nobody expected that strategy. Nobody. No, and it worked. I at least think he worked the draw. He definitely tired Triple G out. Like, there was a point yeah. that fight, Triple G hit a wall, and it was just all Canelo. So, yeah, man, we'll see how this third fight plays out. Uh, you know, if it's announced and it's official for September, whenever that happens, it's going to be fun. Um, the other thing last weekend, UFC. Oh, so God. UFC 238 had a couple of good fights. Um, the whole card actually was pretty entertaining, but the fights, I figure we have to talk about uh, four of them. First, Tatiana Suarez getting pushed to the limit. Yeah. Um, she is the female Khabib, except here's the issue. Khabib, we all questioned his hands early. And Khabib yep. took a few other fights, trained a lot, got hurt a lot, and got the chance to work on his hands before he fought Conor McGregor. And then when he fought Conor, he had decent hands. Tatiana's in a, a difficult situation because she's not going to have a whole lot of time. Fortunately, they're moving with Jessica Andrade versus uh, Zhang Wu, I believe, for, in a weird title fight. Um, but so she'll get a little bit more time to work on her hands. But we, as we saw in that third round, I mean, Nina Ansarov was piecing her up pretty good. And, and Suarez didn't have a whole lot of answers. No. Couldn't land the takedowns anymore. 
looked a little tired and gassed. And yeah, she the, defensively, she couldn't stop herself from getting hit, which, which is a yeah, huge so, problem. <laughs> so people like think that you know she should get the next title opportunity, and I'm I'm fine with like okay. In theory, I'm fine with Jessica Andras going to China to fight Zhang. It shouldn't happen, though. Zhang, I don't think, is ranked in the top five. But she's getting a title opportunity because it's China. But it helps Suarez because she needs to work on those hands. And that's, that's the only thing I can think of. It's like, Andras is the one person who has life-altering power in that division that can back her off. And if she hits her and is able to stop the takedown, well, now we have a different fight. Suarez has to work on those hands. That's it. So if Andrade goes in there with Zhang, I mean, God forbid she loses. That fucks everything up. But I think it's the right decision because Suarez needs she needs some work. Just like Khabib, he got pieced up by Michael Johnson. He ran him over and ended up finishing him anyway. But in the first round, Michael Johnson was catching with those hands, and, and clearly Khabib needed to work on his hands. Tatiana Suarez is the same situation. No, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Hopefully she gets that time. Like, I, I agree with you, though. Like, I don't see it in the plans. She's worked her way up so fast that can you slow down the momentum before it's title shot time? Um, the title shot kind of has to come before the end of this year at this point. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to keep it away from her. Yeah, like, they, she's at a point where it's sink or swim. Yeah. So I wouldn't even take another fight right now. Like, you know what? Instead of fighting, just go and train those hands. See what went wrong. See what's good with the cardio because she is big for the division. You know, make sure you get that, that weight cut in order so you can last five rounds, first and foremost, if you have to, um, on your feet. Because I feel like if she's in top control and takes someone down, she can go 30 minutes, 35 minutes if necessary. But if she has to bounce around for 25 minutes, she needs that cardio. Um, she needs to work on that and just, like you said, own your craft, get better at the stand-up. Don't worry about taking another fight. There's no, no reason to just go in there and submit the number 10 girl in the I'm division. Kind of, I, I kind of differ from you. I'm actually kind of fine with her taking another fight. I look at it as she, she needs to so just run over needs. someone. Dude, she needs to work on her hands. And the only way you're going to do that is not sparring in a fight. Like you're, if you're fighting Jessica Andras, who has the most power, not the best striking, but she has the most power in the division. Yeah. You kind of want to work on those hands. So I don't mind her taking another fight. And I feel like because she's only had, what, 10 fights in her UFC career? Nine? Nine. There's, I mean, I know there's all this talk about risk, but she's that good. She should win the fight. You know, if she can't, if she can't win the fight against a, a lower-ranked opponent, then she shouldn't be fighting. I know that people talk about this risk. <laughs> it's not like... With, like, Frankie Edgar and Brian Ortega. Okay, I get that. Like, you were in line, and then Max got hurt, you took a different fight. And people criticized Frankie for it, and then he got knocked out. But there's already another fight booked for Andrade. So, with that, that means that Suarez is going to have to wait at least six months for her next fight. For somebody that young, young in MMA, she needs to stay active. So, get another fight. Yeah, I mean, I can't, can't knock that. But you can't lose. That, that's always the thing. Like, you're so close. Don't get Frankie oh, well. Edgar. Like, he's I, just I, taking I, the fight for the sake of taking a fight and getting kneed by Brian Ortiz. I just feel like, oh, well, if, like, if you can't beat like, a number eight-ranked opponent or a number six-ranked opponent and you're Tatiana Suarez, doing the fuck, you don't need a title shot. That's how I feel about that. Like, in her case, she needs the work. It ain't like Frankie, who was grinded for years and years and years and years and then never got a title shot. 
Suarez is here after nine fights, and she's in a position to get a title opportunity. Or she, I mean, she's in a position to either fight or sit on the bench for half a year. Also, her pocket. She needs a job. Yeah, I was about to say, you got to get paid. Yeah. It's <laughs> very true. Um, let's see. The other one, we'll go down the gamut. Cowboy going against Tony Ferguson. Tony looked like he didn't miss a step at all. Come back from injury, looks great. And Cowboy, I don't know how the hell he's even maneuvering with that eye. But it got only worse when Tony hit him after the bell. Man, then he tried to blow his that, nose. Man. I mean, he I hit him square on the nose, leading to Cowboy trying to blow his nose, leading to the eye blowing up. Trace the line, the punch at the end of the round pretty much decided the fight. See, I don't know. I don't know if it's the punch at the end of the round. That, that nose was already pretty busted up. Yeah, I know the other punch didn't help matters, but I'm not no, going to blame it, went it on full that Rory. It went full Rory McDonald. When you're not defending yourself and someone hits you square in a nose that's already broken and smushes it in. Then, okay, now I really can't breathe. Now I want to blow my nose. But So when they were looking and reviewing it, they were like, oh, he didn't punch him in the eye. So it's not a DQ. No, but he punched him in the nose. He blew his nose. The eye swelled up. Closed because before then I was at least a little open, swelled closed. Like you can yeah, make dude. a clear line to how that punch ended that fight. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Like he would have got hit in that with that punch in the next round anyway. Like he was gonna get hit in the nose even more anyway. Like that eye was on its way shut. Actually, it was pretty much shut. It just blew up at that point. Yeah. But uh. Either way, you know, Tony just looked really good. Uh, I still don't like how much he gets hit. I really don't like that he gets hit very clean by shots. Um, and against somebody, a, a better striker, he could be in trouble. But who cares? This is how Tony fights. He, he's fun to watch. Cowboy's obviously going to get another fight. He'll be back in there probably before Tony is. So, uh, I mean, it was fun while it lasted. It just sucks. What really sucks with Tony, he's had two fights with two stoppages. Uh, yeah. Anthony Pettis fight and now this fight and people have booed both fights. Not his goddamn fault. He did what he, he went out there to do. Yeah, but now, now he has to wait. Now you got to sit and wait because Poirier's the interim champion and Poirier, I, I don't know, still he's on a hell of a run, but for my money I still think maybe he's like the third best guy in the division. So it, it, it's weird. He's getting a shot, though. And then Khabib usually takes a good amount of time off between fights. So what is he waiting? Next March, he's looking? Nah, I don't think he's sitting on the bench that long. I think he takes another fight. I don't know against who. Maybe it is Connor. Maybe Connor. Con Con yeah. like that, that'd be a Connor fight around December. Or you got to test your luck with a Justin Gaethje, and you just said a guy gets clicked clean. Yeah. And no one, no one wants the noise with Justin Gaethje. No, but, you know, Tony's a guy who's been sitting. He, he likes to fight. He, he's a rhythm guy. He fights in a rhythm. He, I think he is better when he's active. So, And he doesn't – I don't think he's going to turn down – well, maybe he will because he feels like he deserves a title fight. I don't know. The whole, yeah, I everything think Connor money is the only thing that will probably circumvent title fight being next. Because I think Tony, honestly, in his heart of hearts, believes he can work Connor due to, like, the cardio machine aspect of things. Um, so I think he could go in there and he's fairly confident that he could beat Conor McGregor and it's a huge payday. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So I, I think that's the only fight that really like, you know, pushes him past that. Um, then we have bullet taking Jessica eyes whole head off with a kick. Um, set up. Perfectly. I mean, 
throughout the first round. Opening the second, damn, what a beautiful kick. I said it when it happened. I had to think about it after that. People argue with me. They said Jessica Andrade's knocking out Rose Nama Yunus was the most brutal knockout in women's MMA history. Nah, this is it. This is it. Yes, the angle was bad with Jessica Andrade and she slammed her. I, I know. I, I agree it was brutal. But a head kick knockout, shin to head, the sound that it made, and the reaction. Because, <laughs> dog, everybody that saw that knockout immediately was fearful for Jessica's life. Immediately. Because it was clean. It was clean. And the, and the other thing is the difference between the Andrade knockout. Because the Andrade knockout is not, it's not like a distant second. It's close second. The Andrade knockout, she slammed her. And then you looked and you were like, oh, like it kind of like it had to set in that she slammed her so hard she knocked her out. Yeah. The Jessica I knockout, when Shevchenko's shin hit the head, you knew it was over. And then you had a delayed reaction from I as she fl- fell back like a, a corpse and she was dead. <laughs> it was like it was no doubter. I mean, this was Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr. walk off levels type of, of home run. Like this shit was clean and brutal. And ain't nobody beating Shevchenko in that division. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. The, the only thing left is whether or not, and this is the trend in the UFC, they allow her to go against Nunez one more time to be a champ champ. I don't even think she wants to. I don't she's, think so either. Out. I think she's, she's fine clearing out the division. But, I mean, eventually the UFC always does, like, money fights. and that's, Sooner or later, that's going to be a money fight. I just, like, with Shevchenko, like, she said it a billion times that week. She said it in the build to the fight. That wasn't her weight class. Like, she was too small for that division. That's the only reason that why Amanda won, because she was just bigger than her. So yeah. I don't think she's going to go back to that fight again. I think she would, it's better to be champion and just beat the shit out of everybody in that division than move back up and then, you know, be outsized by Nunez, who just fought and beat Cyborg at 145 pounds. Nah, stay where you're at. Make that money. Yeah, I mean... But it never hurts to go up and lose because you come back down and you got your belt. No, it does hurt. I don't care what anybody says. Going up to and losing it, a fight. Yeah, hurt Max. I, I think Max is fine. It does hurt. That shit hurts. Losing a fight hurts. Mikey Garcia losing to Errol Spence hurts because people <laughs> all of a sudden. He got blanked. But yeah, that's true. Fine. I'm just saying, like, it hurts. Like, losing a fight, no matter how you lose a fight in history, they remember that you lost a fight. Don't nobody care you were. At, out, you, you were too small. Nobody cares. You lost. So for Shevchenko, if she goes, if Shev, if there's a big difference between Shevchenko cleaning out the division, stay, let's just say she was undefeated for like four years and retired mm-hmm. in that division. People were recognized as one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. Or she does, goes undefeated for two and a half years, moves up and loses to Nunez, and everybody forgets about her. She doesn't enter that conversation anymore. She's sure. too small. It's a dare-to-be-great situation, though. Because if you beat Amanda, who's now just run through everyone, that pretty much solidifies you as the greatest women's fighter of all time. I'm just saying, like, if it, but the problem is, is she knows she's too small for that division. She's not a fool. She's not going to go back into that fight and say, oh, I can win it now. Like, she's still too small. It, nothing changes. She's going to be still too small for that weight class. And that's all that it was. She only fought there because she had to. Just like Jessica I. The only reason why Jessica I was on that losing streak when about to get cut by the UFC is because she was too small for that weight class. She was too small. Yeah. So uh, I don't think... This has helped out a lot of fighters. Way. 125 has yeah. definitely helped them out a ton. And hopefully the UFC sees this and does the same for the men, 165, 175. But listen, Dana White stuff. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, he's stubborn. Who knows? And he's also keeping around a division uh, at 125 that has six guys. Literally six, six guys. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, rhyme and reason doesn't seem to be a strong suit. Um, talk about 125. Their champion, Henry Cejudo, just went up, captured the 135-pound title. I don't think either of us had him winning. No, I we absolutely did not. Yeah, Marais, I had Marais damn near killing him. Um, but that's not the case. Henry, it looked weird uh, and ugly in the first round. It looked like he was getting his leg chopped out from under him and then took over the fight after that until the stoppage. I mean, look, Marlon Marais is a beast, but I think Joe Rogan had said it really early in the second round that Marlon cuts a lot of weight. And that was the moment I was like, oh, shit. Because... Henry, I mean, Henry was, for all intents and purposes, Henry was cooked. After the first round, we all was like, he's done. Like, he's getting chopped up. He can't stop the leg kick. But then he just changed. He decided, look, I can't fight him at range. I need to close the distance and bring the fight to him. Plus, he was fighting on that terribly sprained ankle that came out, you know, after the fight. Kudos to Henry Cejudo for not pulling out of that fight. But he changed the game plan and wore Marlon Moraes down. And that weight cut, that brutal weight cut that Joe Rogan talked about came into play because Marlon was baked. He had nothing left at all. And a, t- and a ton of people were saying arguably the best in-fight adjustment they've ever seen in the UFC from, from mm-hmm. first round to second round, like where you just go and the entire game plan switched and dominant after you came out of the corner in that round. Dominant. And it, like you said, it was all pressure. It was, I'm not going to sit at range. I'm not going to have this pitter-patter fight. We're going to get in his chest. We're going to force the issue, and we're going to turn up the pace on him, and he's going to gas. And that's what happened. It, it was quick. It, the pace was double in that second round. By the time they hit the third, Marais just had none left. Yeah, I mean, Henry was playing with fire. Going in that close and swinging, you know, with Marlon Marais, who was known to take a guy's head off, because a lot of those head kids came really close to knocking Cejudo out in terms of, like connecting where they needed to connect, but they didn't. I mean, I don't know if it's the greatest adjustment I've ever seen in MMA. I'd have to really think about that. I never really thought about it like that. Um, but I mean, kudos to Henry Cejudo. He's a two division, the king of cringe. It's is now a two division <laughs> champion. He yeah, really I mean, is. He got to work on his probos. Actually, he doesn't. You know, we got to set up to the PC. No, that I'm, was corny. The magic I'm trick totally and the snake. I'm totally fine with this because it's who he is. It's fucking corny. If you take that part about him away, he just becomes another fighter. So the fact that he's the king of cringe and now he's a two-division champion, eventually it's going to be one of those things where people want to see him lose. And that's good. Ready there, kind of. I mean, yeah, I don't have like, a horse in the race, but I really thought he was going to lose after all the stupid antics. And throw the tantrum that he stole from, like, Kennedy, like you said, like... What? Yeah, How are you just doing a two-year-old tantrum during the weigh-in. No, he, but this is who he is, and this is what makes Cejudo Cejudo. And this is what makes people want to watch him. Because he's so cringy that it's like, all right, let me watch him fight. Because if you're a casual fan, you're like, I want to see this corn ball get knocked out. And then he wins. Um, the question is, who does he fight next? Cejudo's doing something weird, which I don't like. It's he's calling out guys who've been on the shelf, like Dominic Cruz, or a guy who just got knocked out, like Cody Garbrandt, or a guy who's retired, Uriah Faber. No, dude. There's, there's really one guy you should fight next. His name is Aljamain Sterling. That's, That's it. You need to fight. Like, don't, don't go out and talk about money fights. No, a Uriah Faber fight ain't no damn money fight. 
Right. No. Lucky if he wins his next fight. Defend <laughs> the title against somebody who's worth defending against. Don't move up another weight class. Fight the guy who's the number be one. interesting, though. Him versus Max. If Max wins, With that's interesting. Dar, I don't care. Dar, I don't care about the that champ, fight. champ, champ. Nah, defend your title. Yeah, That's you're just I'm holding up about. bad divisions. <laughs> yeah, defend, defend the title you just won against the guy who was just on the card who looked exceptional in his fight. Aljamain Sterling looked great. There's no reason why you shouldn't be fighting him next. None. None. Fight the Absolutely. guy who's next in line. Um, all right, so switching over to MMA for this weekend. Bellator 222 in New York. Uh, it's an odd card. Because, again, they have some of their young uh, up-and-coming stars or people they want to be stars on this card. And then also they have the wash-up fighters headline. So it's, it's a typical Bellator card. Um, some of the fights that stick out, I figure, let's see, we have Heather Hardy fighting, which is always interesting. Um, coming back to MMA, the dual MMA boxing thing is a little weird to me, like not focusing on one at a time. Um, I think she wins, though. They, I mean, she's going to get someone three and five. They're kind of protecting her. I mean, she's had some... Like, she got her nose exploded in her... Was it last MMA last fight? Last fight? Yeah. So, so this, is, this is fine. Um, this, this card is it's interesting because the prelims have both Heather Hardy and Aaron Pico. Yep. Who... We don't know who Aaron Pico is anymore. And this is probably the way he needs to be. I mean, it's either either Aaron Pico is going to figure it out, or he's going to be Sage Northcutt. Yeah, Those are two I, options. I still say this sport isn't built for twenty-one year olds. Some get lucky, very few. So the kid could take a couple losses. And I mean, look at Jorge Masvidal. What did he have? Like thirteen losses. I mean, the thing about Masvidal is he never loses. He never gets knocked out. He loses, like, split decisions. He's, like, the king of losing a split decision. That's, that's true. <laughs> but he's been he in some, can, like, some fights. Like, you can – this is a sport, Cowboy. You can have 10, 11 losses on your record and just get hot. And the I shit mean, clicks. It's true. But, but the thing is, is, like, all right. So, so the interesting thing about young fighters, right? Like, Max Holloway lost to Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier and went on a tremendous run. Yep. Right? He had kind of figured it out. What the UFC didn't do is continue to shine a spotlight on him. Well, they never really shined a spotlight on him to begin with. So he was able to work from under, and nobody really paid him any attention until it was like eight wins later, and people were like, oh, shit, this is Max Holloway. Aaron Pico's got the spotlight on him, a spotlight on him all the time. So it's better for him to fight on a prelim card where there's not a ton of pressure against not top five, top ten guys or not seasoned veterans because Pico is an excellent boxer with tremendous wrestling, who, if he puts it all together, will be great. The problem now is mental. That's it. The tools are there. He goes out there and stands and bangs with guys he shouldn't. Like, that's how he's lost his last couple fights. Yeah. He, needs to, he needs to be smart. Everybody's not John Jones, right? Like John Jones got rushed. Like, like, John Jones got put into the title picture at a young age, and people were like, ah, he's not ready. Then he went and murdered Shogun, and he hasn't looked back since. But when you start racing some of these young guys up the ladder, because like you said, MMA is not built for 21-year-olds, John Jones is not, he's the exception, he's not the rule. So Pico needs to be brought along slowly again. And that's the only way he's going to get better. I mean, you can't keep putting the spotlight on these guys. So, I mean, shit, his opponent's 8-0. It's not really a gimme. It's not really, but that's the thing. It's not really a gimme, but it's not against the guy that's had, 
who's eight no against experienced fighters. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. So it's kind of he has more experience in a cage, but not like top level experience. Like Henry Corrales was pretty experienced. Zach Freeman, the guy who we lost in his MMA debut, was a guy who had been around the block for a little while and kind of knew how to deal with resiliency and, and, and you know pressure. So he was able to submit him. Then Pico wins a few in a row, and then he goes to fight Corrales, who's a seasoned veteran, and stops him. Like, Aaron Pico has never made it out the first round. <laughs> Which is crazy for a guy who has world-renowned wrestling. Like, he's never been out of the first round. And this is a mental thing because he stands and he bangs. He's got to fix his strategy. And I don't know, like, dog, you work, you train with Aaron McKee. Like, what the fuck? Like, get it together. It, this is a mental thing. He's got to figure it out. So it's good for him to be on the prelims. Hopefully he gets a win. But I, I per- personally, I want to see him go three rounds. I don't yeah. even want to see him knock this guy out. I need to see him work on his condition and work on the his aspects of his game. Like, going out there just trying to knock people out is what got him knocked out in the first place. I just want to see the guy, see the guy wrestle. That's it. There's no shame in being Khabib. Like, I, I feel like it, it's... It's the equivalent of what happened to kids in America, like in the 90s, early 2000s, where you just got dribble crazy in basketball. And like everyone had to have add one handles, right? It's like, yo, it's okay to just hit a mid-range drop shot. Now everyone got to shoot the three. Like it's it's okay to to hit a layup on a fast break. You don't got to run to the three-point line. Like there's no shame in that. Why? It's not as sexy, but it's cool. Like when when did wrestling not become sexy? I want to point out that... uh... When you talked about that, it made me immediately think of that video of that kid who's like made one shot in his highlight clip, but it yeah. had, like. <laughs> but that was him transferring his dad coach to the team is like national news or something. I'm like, Twitter. yo, has any like first of all, he like he's he's traveling and carrying every everything that you shouldn't be doing. You're, he's doing in this clip, and the ball goes in the bucket once. That's <laughs> come on, man. He attempted one shot in a highlight clip. I don't even know if he made it. It was an attempt in that highlight. I think they cut before it got to the rim. Yo, it's Absolutely. it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I feel like wrestling. Like these guys go through the ranks of wrestling, get into the octagon or into the cage, and it's just like, nah, I want to stay in the bang. It's like, yo, it's okay to just wrestle and then use the other tools, you know, as an auxiliary, like Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier has hands. He's shown that. But he still really likes to wrestle. Yeah. Well, he knows so, where his strengths are. Aaron yeah. thinks everything is his strength. That's it. A lot of these young kids do. A lot of these young wrestlers do. Look at all the young, super talented wrestlers Bellator has signed. When they all signed, they're like, yo, Bellator is on to something. And I, what? All besides one have been knocked out already? McKee's the only one I mean, standing? Well, Ed Ruth lost to uh, Gracie. So it's like. Oh, okay. He didn't get knocked out. Yeah, sure. Well, so here's here's the issue with Bell. It's not even like a, I don't I, I can't really say it's bad. I can't really figure this out. Bellator had Ed Ruth, a, uh, McKee, Pico, um, MVP. Like they had all these bright young stars, but I, I don't know if they just kind of matched them up too tough, too quick. Like well, MVP, they, that's not the case. They gave him can after can after can. Well, or at least I mean, bets, not cans. Like they just gave him people a little little long in the tooth. Like. I, I won't say MVP is the same as those guys because MVP kind of worked his way up, right? Yeah. But Ed Ruth, it was just like him being in this wel- this welterweight Grand Prix. Well, in theory, I thought, great idea. You know, we're going to see a young guy win the Grand Prix. No, we're not. We're going to see, like, Douglas Lehman win this goddamn thing. A guy who's yeah. already been in the Bellator forever and is really good 
and it will probably be Rory McDonald in the rematch if Rory wins this weekend. So it's like, or if I mean, dude, it's it's not making any new stars, and it's like when you crucify your new stars, it's bad business. But I get why you want to do it because you want to match them up. You don't want to bring them along slowly like boxing. That's what we criticize yeah. boxing for. But they they got to be middle ground. You've yet to yeah, find this middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then we have Dylan Dennis skipping to the main card. The double champ, according to a photo he took, stealing the two Bellator belts. He's one to know. How is this guy famous? Like, is it just being Connor's friend? Absolutely. It's but, but he's also a tremendous jujitsu practitioner. Yes. Dylan is really good on the ground. So he's made a name for himself. But yeah, it's the kind of a regular association. I mean, this That's is really good. This is premium placement on this card. Yeah. I mean, shit. Yeah. But the you know, Greg Hardy's getting premium placement on cards as well. He's main eventing shit. So it's like That's also can't be mad, I can't be too mad at it. So yeah. whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> it sells, it sells. Uh, then co-main event, Darian Caldwell versus Horiguchi. Probably so fight at night. No, this <laughs> really, really, really good fight. Like, man, uh, Kyoji Horiguchi is probably one of the best products to ever come out of Japan. Arguably. He's a phenomenal fighter. And Darian Caldwell is the shit. So it's like, Anybody who's who's watching this card, like this is the the smart thing that Bellator does is like these two guys, they don't need a main event a card, but you put them on a card with two names like Machida and Sonnen, where the old MMA heads go, ooh, look at these two old fucks fighting, and then you mm-hmm. get treated to this, and hopefully it's a bomb burner, but you make stars up under old stars. It's the way to do it, which is great, smart, yeah, super smart. Um, and I, and I'm picking Darian Caldwell for the record because Caldwell's really good. Damn, Caldwell is good. Horiguchi's so fucking slick with it. That's a toss-up. Um, it is a toss-up. I'll take Caldwell. But that's going to be fighting night. Like, all, like on the, going through the car, that's fighting night. Um, Machida versus Chell Sonnen. <sighs> Chell gets his face kicked off. I don't know. No, yeah. That's... Give me Machida. <laughs> Just... it's, it's, the old, it's, the, it's the AARP circuit. Um... And even though Machida's not really that old in theory, but... No, he's the young one on like... the AARP circuit. Right. So, yeah, give me, give me Machida. But you know what? I want to go back because it might not... Like, the, the Caldwell-Horiguchi fight should be fight of the night, but this Edward Dante, Eduardo Dantas and Juan Archuleta fight, Archuleta's really good, too. He's on a Wikipedia page, which is kind of crazy. But <laughs> that should be a really good fight. That might be my fight of the night, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's Caldwell versus Horiguchi. Anyway, let's move on to the main event. Uh, main event, Roy McDonald, Neiman Gracie, just the tournament. Um, like you said, it would have been great if this was Ruth, but it's not. Um, Gracie, though, I mean, 9-0, it's Gracie. And Rory, at the end of his last fight, kind of put a little doubt in whether he still wants to fight um, or if his heart is in it. So I will say... Rory wins, but it, it's not going to be running away, and I don't expect a stoppage. I don't either. Um, after seeing what happened to Alexander Gustafson, I feel like we're about to have the same thing happen to Rory McDonald. And I think they're almost linked. I think Rory is a student of the game and watches MMA, and I think he saw what happened this past couple of weeks with Gus and Manawa. And if, he, if, if, if it gets rough in there with Gracie, he might just pack it in and call it a career. 
And I'm not even talking about before. I'm talking about before the fight is even over. I think he might mentally check if this if he doesn't finish this fast, or if he's not dominant and he finds himself in a tough spot, he might call it a career in the middle of the fight. Because I don't, I really don't know if his heart's in anymore. Like Gustafson took that fight, and once it was taken out of him, he quit before the fight was over. Like he already was like, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. Roy might be on the same path. Hopefully not. But man, he's been through a lot, man. And when you say things like that, I don't know if I'm in it anymore. And it's and going gets rough and you start having days at vu and you start thinking about guys retiring before it's too late. Especially, I mean, you already had your face exploded by uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, the, like, you're right. The next loss, the next loss is probably his last loss. The only thing, the only fortunate thing is that he's not going up against a striker like Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith punched Gustafson into retirement from that ground and pound. Neiman's not going to punch you to death. He's going to submit you. And you might be able to go home and be like, ah, I just got choked out against a, you know, jiu-jitsu black belt. You might be able to come back for that. It's a little different when you're getting pummeled in the head and you're like, well, fuck, man, this is my career right here. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Neiman Gracie, man. I, I just don't trust Rory anymore. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like his heart is in it. I think he wins this one, but yeah, he probably gets crushed in the finals. And gives up his belt, I think he walks away. So uh, we're definitely seeing the, the waning moments of Roy McDonald. But you know what? He left the USC, and it seems like he cashed the hell out on his ball. Yeah, Bellator deer. So good for him. He got his money. Oh, um, also, he just got married, too, recently. Oh, So yeah, there's so another sure. reason where yeah. he'd be like, ah, I'm good. Wait until he has that kid, like the first kid. He'd be like, yeah, I really don't need to be punched in the face. Or it could go the opposite way, and he just become Cowboy Cerrone, who just became a madman after he had a child and just started standing and banging, knocking people the hell out. Uh, never know which way that's going to go. Uh, pro wrestling, real quick, before we get out of here. WWE Saudi show. Uh, yeah, yeah, that happened. That happened after our last show. Woo! Dre, you had it on in the background. I watched it live because I was at work. I had nothing else to do last Friday. Um... Or is it Saturday? Whatever day it was. Goldberg versus Taker. The only thing we really got to talk about. The rest of the card was Doug, pretty much for not. I'm, gla- I'm glad you led with this because I want to talk about Dominion last. Because we can end on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Dominion. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, Saudi show. Goldberg versus Taker. It happened again, Dre. We, we t- if someone could find it, the last time Goldberg came back, it was like... We talked about it on the show when he first came back and, like, the Lesnar feud was brewing. And his first day back, they did the, the walkout from the back. And all, all he did was on Raw, and he walked out, and he caught a promo. But you couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying. And it's because he headbutted lockers in the back and, like, dented the lockers. And he was just woozy, came out, and was concussed. And you were like, stop headbutting shit. This is a good two years ago now. Yeah. That was your only advice. Stop headbutting shit. And he did it again. Fucking idiot, dude. And like, this time almost killed Taker. We already knew this match was going to be bad. We knew it. Like, everybody saw this match was like, there's no way in hell this could be a good match unless it's like three minutes. And who wants to see a three-minute squash match as your main event in Saudi Arabia? Like, the Saudi government was like, no, 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 you have to go 15 minutes at least. And that's what we got. I love that they booked the travesty. show. Yep. You know they booked the show. Like, oh, yeah. dog, there's no way that Vince was like, yeah, let's get Undertaker and Goldberg. No, the Saudis were like, we want Undertaker and Goldberg. 
go get them. Here's like $100 million. Figure it out. So they got them for this crappy match. Goldberg, come on, man. Like, you knock yourself stupid for a a promo. Now you're wrestling an old man who you got his life in your hands? Like, that was the worst jackhammer I've ever seen. He didn't even get him a a third of the way up is being generous. It it was straight up, straight down. This is another thing. Like, if I'm Undertaker, who's like always been known as the locker room general, I'm going to Goldberg before this match, and I'm saying, I saw what you did to Brett. I've seen what you've done to others. You better not fucking headbutt that locker. Take care of me. There needed to be a conversation, and it didn't happen, and Goldberg nearly killed Undertaker. Boy, what a sight that sure, was. I'm pretty sure Taker almost killed him in the back. He should have, but man, this match was so bad. And then the blood, like, it was like, all right, dude. Like, he, he busted himself the hard way, right? <laughs> this, this was not, like, there was no blading here. He had already headbutted the door and was bleeding, so when he went flying to the, in the ring post, it just exasperated that cut, and he was just bleeding everywhere. This wasn't, like, artsy blood. It didn't add anything to the match, like Dustin against Cody. This was just fucking stupid. It was dumb. <laughs> the whole thing was fucking stupid. It was so and dumb. At some point, and you know, some wrestlers are refusing to go over and partake in this because of uh, you know political beliefs, religious beliefs, so on and so forth. Uh, just because it's a bloodthirsty country, this is the equivalent of them going after blood diamonds. Pretty much, they're just ignoring what the hell's going on over there um, for the check. But sooner or later, the talent has to be like, "Yo, these are just dangerous matches." Because I thought Shawn Michaels damn near killed himself the last time. Um, and Triple H tore his peck in that match, where they had no business being in that match, um, versus Kane and Undertaker, I believe. It was the main event. And then yeah. the main mm-hmm. event before then was some shenanigans, too, on the first one. I forgot what the hell that match was. But it was another match where it's like, yo, it's, it's ridiculous. I think it was Taker versus Lesnar or something. I don't know. Um, but... Just these matches have to stop. Like you, it's bad enough that you're going over there and taking the blood money. You can't let them book your shows. You got to tell them, yo, the people you see on TV because you're 20 years behind on television are now 60, and we can't do this shit anymore. They just can't. Because the next one they're gonna parade McFoley out there and have Foley versus Taker in the hell in a cell, and someone's gonna die. Please don't say that. Would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't because they pay him so much money. They'd be like, well, shit, I've done this. Like, wrestlers forget how old they were. Like, duh, I would, I'm, I'm really not joking here. But I would not be surprised if Ric Flair came out of retirement for one of these matches. Like, you have to put your foot down somewhere. And if, if the Saudis say, we want Rick, you say, fuck that. We got to, no, we can't do this. But Vince probably would. He'd probably be like, hey, Rick, here's all this money that you're not going to be able to spend because you're going to die. And act surprised when someone dies in the ring. That's what he would do. They gotta stop. It's yeah. just bad, man. Like, I will look, the Saudi show was bad already, but I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say this is the worst. Like, I've said it several times, but I think this is the worst that the WWE has been, main roster wise, in 20 years. No, yeah, it's 20 thing, years to 1999, thing. and 1999 was, was pretty good. Um, yeah. holy shit, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, this is in this is all time bad. Yeah. This is all time bad. Uh, Our truth is the highlight of Raw and SmackDown every week. They're, they're like the best the, storytelling and program is Our Truth, and that you know what? Fuck it, I can't even knock them for that. 
this is the funny thing about this. Like, people were like, oh, you guys were joking about the 24-7 title. Now look. Now look. You guys are laughing at it. It's, it being the best thing on the show is a really fucking low bar, people. <laughs> the bar is on the floor. That's a problem. Because it's like, good. That is a but that should not be your best thing. No, it's like when I'm watching, I'm like, man, this is pretty funny. Then I'm like, dog, this isn't even wrestling. What am I watching? What are we doing? Our <laughs> truth underneath the mat. This week he was just locked in a box. And that shit was gold. Yeah, uh, it's like that and Bray Wyatt's like? vignettes. Because the, the Firefly Funhouse is, is dope. They're going to fuck out when he gets in the ring, but whatever. Therein lies your issue. Because where, where does Bray Wyatt go? That is the question. Like, what is the scene? Like, he can't come out hot for like a program and then just start losing again because that's what he does he has the same dope promo for every single comeback and then he ends up winning his first program and then he loses like his next three yep and he looks really bad like why can't he just be good why can't he just win i don't understand this shit like he won the title in january and had like the worst match ever against randy orton in april yep come on guys it was super over when he won. People were like, okay, dope. Let's do it. Yeah, they, they, they pulled him off in two and a half months. He's never truly been the focal point. Like, he should have beat Cena. He should have beat Taker. Like, he should have beat somebody. Every yeah. big feud he's in, he loses. So, I'm going to say, let him go over on, like, AJ Styles. I need him to go on somebody that matters. Okay. Not just Braun Strowman. I wouldn't mind Braun Strowman, but the match would be terrible. But at this point, it's all about the gimmick. Yeah, like, I'm good with that. Um, All right, Dominion, to wrap this all up. New Japan, uh, man, Osprey does it again. Like, Like, I mean, at this point, what are we going to do? You said top five last week? He's top five, but he might not be five. No, I mean, listen, Gargano and Osprey are right now in 2019. I'm saying 2019 because Kenny Omega hasn't really had a run yet. They're the two best wrestlers in wrestling right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just due to, you know, Kenny leaving New Japan and, you know, AEW not having enough shows to really, you know, keep Kenny showcased like that. So, yeah, by by removing Kenny, dropping him down a little bit, I, I'd agree. They they are on fire. Dog. Osprey is ridiculous. They can't have a bad can't have a bad match. Like if if they tried, they couldn't have a bad match right now. It's it's ridiculous because the Dragon Lee match was not as good as a single match, but it was still better than everything else. Yo, Dragon Lee's suicide dive was so nuts. Oh that that's what like so I'm watching the match, right? And anybody who hasn't watched New Japan yet and listened to the show, I don't know what y'all waiting for. Like, if y'all, if y'all torture yourselves watching WWE each week and don't watch New Japan, you're just not a pro wrestling fan. Because we, And you listen to us, we talk about this shit often. That match, there is a spot where Osprey is sitting on the outside barricade, sitting on it. Dragon Lee does a tope suicida through the middle rope like a bullet. He spears him. <laughs> It looked like a bullet. It looked like he was shot out of a gun. That's so accurate. No, it was like it was like a George St. Pierre double A takedown in, in his heyday. But it was like through the ropes, like eight feet away, clean, knocking out everybody in the process. 
that moment, I was like, all right, this match is about to turn up. And that match was great. If it wasn't for the Shingo match, I was like, hey, man, that might be a match of the year candidate. No. <laughs> no, but because a week ago, we just saw some wild shit. No, not even a week ago. Three days ago. That's what makes this shit even more incredible. Is that Osprey did this three days before. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. And then that's the main event, what was the main event? The main event was Okada and Jericho, and it sucked. Listen, I love Okada. I, I really, I love Jericho and what he's been doing. But this match sucked. Yeah, it was like Diet, Jericho, Kenny, Omega. Like, it was the same storyline, like, same pacing, same spots. It, it just, just didn't it hit didn't, as hard. It did not work for me at all. Like, I hated this match. It was slow, and it oh, was coming right it. after. It, like, I mean, all right, it was like a two. It was like a two and a half star match. Okay. I was not like if it happened in WWE, I would it would still suck. Like it sucked. It was not a good match, and especially when it comes off of Naito versus Ibushi for all intents and purposes, Naito just gave Ibushi the wickedest German suplex on the edge of the ring apron I've oh ever seen. Oh my god! I need. To I thought he killed him. To kill him. Yeah, I, like come on, guys. <laughs> that that was rough, but that was a hell of a match too. Like. Yep. And, you know, the funny thing is, Okada and Jericho was bad, but the, the Grills of Destiny and, uh, and Evil and Sonata match, that match sucked, too. That match was not good. It's just wearing thin. They need some new blood in the tag team division. They do. I feel like they we've seen, seen all these matchups so much that... But, you know, it's hard to build new title contenders. So, like, Bucks left, and it's like, now there's two teams, you know? Like, that shit's rough. Um... Gallows and Anderson getting out of their contract and coming back would probably be the best thing for it. I mean, the best thing for Gallows and Anderson. I mean, the yeah. Revival have, have kind of said they're not, they still haven't signed their contract, from what I've heard. They, they haven't renewed, so they may be gone whenever yeah. their contract I is I think up. they throw all the money at them, though. And they're booking them way better now. Yeah, I mean, they won the tag titles on Raw, and nobody cared. They're on both shows weekly. I mean, so what? Uh, an eighth of the roster can say that, if that. So, I mean, they have premium placement. From where they were, this, this shit's a 180. Um, oh, and there was Wait, a couple surprises on Dominion. Yeah. Kenta! Someone told me I was crazy. Like, oh, no, you know, Japan has all these loyalty things. He'll go back to Noah. I was like, fuck, that makes a good argument. But you know what? He didn't because New Japan is the place to be. And he's like, fuck it. He, he's done everything there is to do in Noah. I love him coming into New Japan. I love him going into the G1. He should win this shit. Right into it. Just on some legend he, status shit. I don't care. Win it. Well, he won't win it. But. I would love uh, it. But him versus Okada is, I don't know when they're wrestling. Whenever they do, that shit is circled on my calendar. This, this G1 already has Kenta, Moxley, and Shingo. We're all announced at Dominion. Yep. My God. Big ass Shingo. <laughs> Who's Come not on, a man. junior. So that means we're getting Osprey. Like what? We don't know if we're getting Osprey. Like we really, we don't know. We don't. Shingo's in we it. Sh yeah, but Shingo's doing it as a heavyweight to try to be a heavyweight. Osprey hasn't formally announced yet. He may, he should, but he just did. The, he just won Best of Super Junior, so he might not. Um, but dude, like, if you're again, if you're watching pro wrestling and you're bummed out this summer that you got to watch SummerSlam, watch the G1 Climax. Just do that. Then you got all like, out. There's, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, like, plenty. just come on, guys. Like, <laughs> pro wrestling doesn't suck. The WWE sucks. 
Pro wrestling is great. To be fair, the main yeah. roster sucks. Two hundred five Live yes. had a very good episode this week. Yeah, which I still need to watch. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Chad Gable with the haircut. I don't like that. That kind of pissed me off. That was weird, but that motherfucker could go. Him and Galler, for like I a mean, was the match? haircut that made him go? No, so yeah. Much- sure. <laughs> Woo, that match was dope though. Like he was like, "Yo, I'm here. Hold on, take this." Okay, this is why y'all didn't put me on TV. I was, you know, in stupid ass programs getting peed on, or robes getting peed on. Like, no, nah, no, nah. like this is what I do. And he got busy. And then the main event was dope too. I mean, you know, they need a better champion. Unfortunately, two hundred five lives is nobody cares about it. Yeah. But the wrestling is good. I mean, oh yeah, WWE is just trash, guys. The main roster sucks. Uh, NXT is great during Takeover. Mm, they got to improve on television, but whatever. Keith Lee had a decent, but you don't like what's his face, though. No, I'm so tired of seeing Kona Reeves wrestle. I swear <laughs> to God. I mean, they paid the man. But they have done. They have two again. They have 217 people signed to WWE. Every time Kona Reeves comes out to wrestle, he has a, 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 like a tweak to his gimmick. It's never going to work, guys. This is it. Well, this you're gonna who, get him, and you're gonna get the sons of uh, forgotten sons. I almost called them the sons of anarchy. Jesus, you're gonna get a steady diet of both crews. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need any of that in my life. But yeah, they're they're determined to give that to us. So whatever. Yeah, uh, nah, man. That was that was our show for this week. A little bit. Wait, how over- did you manage to do that? I sat there and I literally said I wanted to end on a high note, <laughs> and then we just wrapped it right back around to WWE. Ended it on a bummer. <laughs> it's hard, man. You see, you went on a rant telling people how good New Japan was and to use it, and then we just got roped right back in. Right back into the shitty WWE product. And this is why we watch every week. Because subconsciously, they got us, Dre. They know they got us. All I mean, I love pro wrestling. Yeah, I'm an addict. Got- it's like meth, dude. I know it's bad <laughs> for me. I'm just going to keep I'm gonna keep taking a hit, hoping it gets good one day. Meth never really gets good, though. So hopefully WWE can be better than meth. <laughs> that's a low bar but let's, let's pray it on really that. is <laughs> uh, no, thank you guys for listening another week another great show follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms me at Kel Dansby him at Andreas Hill check out our Patreon uh, we're really putting together a schedule for Patreon getting more content up there so you guys will be getting nice little treats moving forward um, shirts are on their way uh, let me know when you guys get that tag us on social media Show us you guys wearing the shirts, wearing the merch, supporting the brand. We thank you guys for listening. Till next week, though, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.